where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm John. And I'm James. And uh, today we're going to be talking about episode 9 of season 2. That's correct. They Called Me Mayday. That's also the title of the episode. That what you did there? It's a, it's a bold episode, bold title, written by David Angel. Directed by Jimmy B. 1st of December, 1983. So we're, we're giving up to Christmas again. Feeling festive, John? Not yet. A bit more spooky. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Woohoo! It may be giving up to Christmas in the bar, but here we are celebrating the uh, Yuletide spooky season. Does that make sense? Yuletide spooky season? Yeah. This episode, not particularly spooky, but the episode we're recording we- of Where Nobody Knows Your Name, originally released on Halloween 2019. Saying that, though, this episode does have some uh, poetry. Poetry is normally quite spooky. It's also got the word moon glow. Moon. Oh, you can stretch anything to be anything, you know. If you listen in, you'll find out where moon glows come from. You might hear a bit about some poetry. What would you say the themes of this episode are, James? Where should we start? I think we'll start with the themes and then we'll delve into the cold open because it's a bit yeah. different than the main plot. So the themes, they cover quite a wide ones. They've got legacy, desire, fame, hopelessness, aspirations. It's a lot about hope and what you make of yourself and your situation, really. I guess that does kind of lead us into our cold opening where we find someone in quite a dire scenario. Yeah. Making the most of it. I can't tell whether they're sad or happy about their new digs. I can only assume that they're over the moon. Norm is living in cheers. <laughs> He's having the time of his life. He's waking up on his bar stool. In pyjamas. In pyjamas. He's stretching that suds allowance all through the night. He's drinking coffee now, this time. I'll tell you what, though, if he is drinking, and essentially he's in a lock-in, isn't he? Yeah. Doesn't seem that hungover, right? Yeah, but he can take it. He can, he, can, he can handle it. We found out many episodes ago, the strongest drink they've got, yesterday's coffee. Oh, that could be what he's drinking. He's, he was having coffee. And more references. This episode, They Call Me Mayday. Parody on, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. 1970s movie. Quite a gritty cop drama, isn't it? I'm not sure how it really folds into the themes of I, the episode. I think it would be to do with um, legacy and whatnot. Though, the first time I heard They Call Me Mr. Tibbs being referenced, I was much too young to understand it was referencing They Call Me Mr. Tibbs because in the... Lion King, Pumba says, they call me Mr. Pig, and then charges into the hyenas. <laughs> Maybe I'll put, they call me Mr. Tibbs on the, on the watch list. Like with Beretta. Oh, I'm, I'm done with Beretta now. I've watched it all <laughs> since last week. Great show, I recommend it. First season's on he Amazon. He didn't show up at work, he just, <laughs> just watched Beretta. <laughs> Season one's on Amazon, it's £16, and it only works on American DVD players. Good luck. In this episode, we have a guest in the bar. Quite a prolific guest. I know. I didn't know, but I do now. Ooh, who is this spooky person? Spooky, yeah, because it's Halloween. <laughs> Just in case you forgot. It's uh, Dick Cavett. Stops by the bar for a drink. Catches the eye of a lot of people. Diane, it's a big moment. Well, he's quite an eloquent man, isn't he, Dick? What's his background? He's a talk show host. He's also wrote quite a few books. What he was known for as a talk show host was for being somewhat controversial, willing to ask difficult questions. Were talk show hosts um, back then a bit more cultured than today? I don't know if that's a dig at a particular talk show host well, today. Just, just in general, talk shows are more comedy, light entertainment. Yeah, I think there was less of them then. I think back then, Carson was the main one in the United States. And you're probably thinking, what, Parky Mm. here? Michael Parkinson? Yeah. And there are a lot of pretenders to the Carson throne, if we're speaking 
metaphorically. People didn't really get close, and eventually Carson retired and Jay Leno took over. Mm-hmm. But Dick Cavett was really the only one who came close. Okay. Which is why he made so many guest appearances as himself in a lot of different TV shows, including The Odd Couple, he was in Forrest Gump, The Simpsons, Children's Hospital, which one of the more recent shows it aired, late 2000s, and Bored to Death, played himself in all of them. Gets well. So does he have any connection to publishing then? Well, because he works in the film TV industry, in the media Mm. industry, he would know publishers and he's written quite a few books. And that's what sets up the plot of this episode. He comes in and Diane's trying to read her poetry to him and he just wants to leave. He's not a fan. Well, he makes a very good quote about it. I don't know how I welcome your sense of humour in this desert of banality. I wouldn't call this a desert. No? No, a desert would be an easier place to get a drink. Uh, yes. <laughs> what can I get you? It's a good line. He's very good. I wonder, I wonder if he had contributions to the script or if that was written. What uh, writer of Cheers, Ken Levine, has said on his blog and his podcast, he has said that when they wrote for guest roles, they wrote to their voice and they try to get mm. their voice quite well and sometimes when the guest stars would come in they would tweak it a bit if they were like oh that doesn't really sound like something I say or the way I'd say it and mm. they'd be fine with that as long as the joke was kept intact but I imagine because Dick Kevitt was a talk show host and a writer his tone and voice they would have been able to identify quite easily Yeah. so I imagine they didn't need to do any rewrites. That was interesting. But yeah, as you say, he's, he's very sharp throughout this episode. And after kind of finally getting rid of Diane and her poetry, uh, he has small talk with Sam, who I think directs Diane away. And he realises Sam's background as a sports star who's been rehabilitated. Has it ever occurred to you that there might be some public interest in your life story? Oh, you mean because of my baseball career and my battle against alcohol and uh, the irony of owning a bar now? Right. Never crossed my mind. <laughs> How about this? Which is obviously the, the premise of the whole programme. And it's quite nice that, again, we've, especially in season one, there was a lot about Sam's legacy and wanting to be known. Quite interesting to see how this opportunity didn't affect him as much this time. And he was very interested in it, but he didn't seem as desperate for it, which I'm not sure that's, whether that's because he's more um, in tune with himself at this point in time and happier. I find it interesting that Dick Ever was on a press tour, which is one of the reasons he's in Boston. And I assume this tour is likely for his book, I on Cavett, which mm. was released in 1983. Okay. Just a little tidbit for you there. Now, there's also a couple of other storylines going on in this episode. There's one, one which was just weird, where Coach comes in, and he's kind of feeling sprightly and everything. That's because one of his teammates has died, and Coach was worried about his health, mm. so he's, you know, trying to show to the others that he's still fit. So he starts doing handstand push-ups behind the bar. Yeah. Which I assume was with a body double. I wouldn't assume so much, you know. I assume so because... <laughs> because his, his legs are much longer. Yeah. <laughs> also because we didn't see their face. I assume it's someone not actually doing... Well, you just assumed it was a dummy. But I just think it's his legs. I don't think someone actually... Attached to those legs. They, they might be like, lie down on a raised platform. But he starts doing handstand push-ups until Sam tells him, Cush, you were never able to do those. And he goes, oh yeah, and falls over. Which brings us to the other main plot of the episode, which is also about exercise, which is that someone new, Wally Bedell, a high school wrestling colleague of Norm's, has come into the bar, hears that Vera's... Vera's available. Vera's available. So challenges Norm to Vera via a wrestling contest, which by this point we're just going, fine, sure. (laughs) If it's going to happen, okay. (laughs) I guess this is what's happening this week. (laughs) 
We also find out Norm's background. Uh, in high school, he was a wrestler. and He, was, he won a few trophies. Uh, that's, he got the nickname Moonglow Peterson. There you go. Spooky. Spooky. Halloween. Uh, that's how he got the attention of Vera as well. So Wally seems like a kind of parallel version of Norm that didn't get the attention mm. of Vera, and now they're fighting for her again. Did you recognise the actor who played Wally Bedell? No, I didn't. Sir Walter... Olkowish, and he played a French-Canadian character that you've seen on TV. Can you guess what TV show it's from? Uh, no. He's from Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. And he played Jacques oh. Renault, one of the Renault brothers. Remember one of the Renault brothers was uh, killed by Truman, I think it was, there as he was trying to smuggle drugs across the border, uh, and then Jacques was upset about it. I was going to say, did he wear plaid? They all wore plaid. It was <laughs> they all, then I realised they all did. <laughs> I think I do remember him. Yeah, they all wore plaid. I've, there's a, I've seen an article which is all of the all of the jumpers worn in Twin Peaks, and did, there's hundreds of them. Did, did he go to One Eye Jacks? He did go to One Eye Jacks. His relative Jean Michel Renault was in Twin Peaks season three or Twin Peaks: The Return. Walter returned to play a relative of his own character. It's like we said uh, a couple episodes back. Like in Little Sister, don't you? Yeah, that's interesting then. The other guest in this episode is Ed Quinlan as Bob. This was his TV debut, but he did go on to appear in episodes of The A-Team, Dynasty, Knott's Landing, Matlock and Dallas. All the good ones. Have you ever heard a more 80s lineup of TV shows? Hey, he takes all the boxes there. Yeah, you like 80s TV shows? Look no further than Ed Quinlan. <laughs> I don't remember the episode that... No, it's just Bob. But Wally, uh, Wally's wrestling match with Norm lasts... A long time. Most of the episode. Most of the episode. And... They're still going when everyone's left the bar. Yeah, I think I think it basically just sends because Coach just says, 3, 2, 1, he's pinned. And Norm wins. You know what you should have done? Seven bells. <laughs> Closed early. Could have went for that. It didn't. But Norm wins. That's about it. Yeah, the episode ends with Norm winning the wrestling match. That's how that storyline ends. And meanwhile, in the other storyline, Diane agrees to write Sam's autobiography because Sam, while he knows his own history, acknowledges that he's not as eloquent or knows as much vocabulary as Diane. And I think um, Diane's a bit hurt by the fact Dick... He thinks it's just a bit dry and... Well, Dick didn't like her poetry. Yeah. I think Sam involves her in this sort of writing his memoirs... As pity or... As a team kind of thing. Mm. You know? We'll do it together kind of thing. And it enlists her help because he knows he can't do it and he believes in her as a writer. And they write something, but Dick Cavett says, well, it's well-structured and you've got some interesting stuff in there, but it's just a bit dry. People don't care about alcohol anymore. They want perversions and... Mm. Sex. Cells. Sam. He said it in a less creepy way than I did. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sam's keen to get to work to make his book a bit more steamy. Diane's not keen on that. That's as much as I can remember. Yeah, because Diane doesn't want to write about Sam's ex-lovers, sexual encounters, essentially. It ends with, um, when Diane wrote the original draft, she wrote under a pen name. Sam manages to convince Diane to write his erotic memoirs, which is essentially what Dick Cavett yeah. wants, I think, just for his own reading pleasure. What happened was that Sam convinces Diane to write it. No, no, I would never prostitute my talents that way. Well, would Jessica Simpson Bourget? That little smut peddler? <laughs> In a minute. And then they write it and they go into back office and they write erotic memoirs, only coming out every so often to splash water on their face. <laughs> Boy, does she write good. <laughs> Uh, 
and that's the ending of this episode. Which, okay. <laughs> it's trivia time. There we go. That's the, the doorbell for trivia. Do you want me to go first with the letter, James? Yeah. At the beginning of the episode, we, we talked about Norm and his new lodges in Cheers. He feels uncomfortable not paying anything for the rent. How much do uh, him and Sam agree is a fair rent for staying in Cheers? 50 cents. Yes. Sam's just a dollar and Norm haggles. <laughs> he haggles him down. He says, well, a dollar for what? <laughs> so 50 cents to live in uh, Cheers. Not bad. You know he's going to the taps when it closes up. <laughs> Another Norm question. Where did Norm go to school? Oh, I don't know. Dean Akerson High. Any crossover with anything? I don't think it has any crossover with anything, but what about some trivia about Dean Akerson? He was an American statesman and lawyer. He was the Secretary of State in President Truman's administration from 49 to 53, and played a central role in defending American foreign policy during the Cold War. And he looks a bit like Cliff. He does look a bit like Cliff. A slightly different kind of question. Coach went swimming in this episode. He only managed to do uh, three laps. Uh, <laughs> took him a very long time. Well, why did it take him so long? He was trying to run in a full swimming pool. He was going for a, a jog underwater. And I think fully underwater. I'll tell you what, that does seem like quite the workout, though. I think people do do it just for a workout. Three laps in, I think he's about an hour. I suppose he's old. Er, than me. It must not be very deep. You wouldn't be able to reach the bottom. You have to try and sprint through the deep end. <laughs> Hold your breath. There's <laughs> a little straw sticking out of this up. And I think he was like a yeah, full suit as well. They're talking about exercise and ask Carla what keeps her so trim. What's her answer? Don't know. She says sex. Not because it's the best exercise, but because she misses it so much that she can't eat. Uh, in this episode, we find out about Norm's nickname, the very Halloween spooky-centric... Moon Glow. Moon Glow. How did he get this nickname? Was it... Again, if it's not the answer, then mercy be on my soul. <laughs> Is it that when he was wrestling once, it was at night time, the moon shone off him because of his paley white skin? Uh, no. In, in, that's spooky though, isn't it? <laughs> that's much spookier than the actual one. In a tournament, a wrestling tournament, his opponent accidentally yanked his trunks off. I prefer the spooky version. Maybe, but well, this one is kind of spooky a bit. <laughs> We're determined to make this a Halloween episode. <laughs> what is Diane's pen name? Jessica Simpson Borgo. You're pretty close. Jessica Simpson Bourget. Quite the pen name. So what have we learned in this episode, John? It's like the end of like a <laughs> Sesame Street. Uh, my ABCs. <laughs> Always be careful. If you meet someone in a bar... Don't force your poetry on them. That was my big takeaway. Never get into a wrestling match with Norm, because he's persistent. We like Moonglow, is Norm's <laughs> nickname. There was a lot here. Dick Cavett, a lovely guest to have. He was very good, very witty. And if we had a drink, I mean, we're still waiting for one, I'm sure we'd raise our glass for him. We'd say, it's been a pleasure. Can't wait till the books come out. They call me Mayday. Maybe Sam's waiting until he's finished all his erotic encounters. And then she goes, this is the complete series. <laughs> Be like the size of In Search of Lost Time. 5,000 pages of erotic memoirs. That's a bit much. How much could you read of Sam's erotic memoirs? Half a page? Two words. We also found out that if you're uh, in a pinch and you've got nowhere to live, Cheers has a good, uh, very affordable renting rate. That's 50 true. cent. Not sure if that's a night. It's a month, I believe. And if you're in a pinch, then we can help you too. We can't provide accommodation, but we can always provide someone to talk to. Some uh, light-hearted... Cheers.
banter. Sometimes we delve into banter of other TV shows too. Like They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, that popular film from the 1970s. Yeah, that lovely family-friendly film. Do a double bill. Lion King, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. Do Call Me Mr. Tibbs first, then you'll understand yeah, yeah. the references yeah. in Lion King. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the chronological <laughs> order. Thank you for listening, everyone. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Cheers.